All right, y'all are excited for it. I'm ready. Well, let's just, uh, yeah, Nick, why don't you come up and, and do the thing? Do the thing. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Welcome, church. Woo. Something's stirring. Something's mixing. Man, thank you guys so much. Y'all are incredible. Um, oh, today is going to be a good day. Y'all feel it? Let me take a break before jumping into this. Whenever the room, whenever we come into God's house and we're expectant, the thing that it says in his word is that he can do far more than we could ever imagine. And uh, if you guys are expecting great things, just be ready that it is going to be far greater than you could ever imagine, church. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you today. God wants to speak directly to you. This is not a motivational message. This is not a message that hopefully sounds good and, and, and has a little bit of rhyme to it because uh, I am a rapper. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying I, I know that God wants to speak directly to you. And to be honest, even as a speaker, I know he wants to speak directly to me too. This isn't a message where I'm talking at you. We're having a discussion today, all right, church? And uh, so I'm excited. Lean in today. God wants to do something new and fresh in our life. He wants to stir something new. He wants to challenge our ways of thinking, and he wants to inspire us to follow him with everything we've got. Core Church, i got to tell you, it's not going to be casual here. We don't do casual. We give everything we got. Like Emmy was sharing, I, I was just really, like, pulled this morning. There are churches, there are people, there are faith-filled believers that get killed for holding one of these. And uh, we get to celebrate this today. You're not just in a random seat. It's not just another Sunday. It is the day that God wants to speak to something important in your heart and stir your spirit. Amen, church. Do not, do not miss this moment. It's not because I'm great. It's because he wants to do something. So we're in our series 168. And we're talking about how to, how to live faith in every hour of your life. I know that sounds like ridiculous and crazy, but man, we have 168 hours a week. And a lot of us go through, through church and, and faith life, and we do our thing and, and when it comes to Jesus. But man, sometimes our faith stays on a Sunday. We walk right out of that door, and faith is just meh, right there. I had an awesome service. It felt good. It stirred some butterflies in my stomach. And now I go to my job, and... Casual. Ah, now I get home with, I'll, I'll be personal, two kids, pooping, screaming, waking up, watching Pokemon. Faith is gone, okay? <laughs> and uh, so today we're talking about friends. Today we're going to be talking about our circle. Today we're going to be talking about who we hang out with. Yes, it is awesome to live faith at work and to make sure that the 40 hours that God has given you at work is an incredible place for you to share the word of Jesus and to spread the gospel. Yes, in your home is where your faith is established. And then here's what I'll say today is that, man, the circles, our friends, who we are around is an op awesome opportunity to reveal Jesus to the world. It is not casual. It is not casual when I just hang out with Todd. No, it is a faith-filled experience that is going to share the gospel. And so I'm excited to talk today. I have fought the good fight. Someone say good fight. I have finished the race. Someone say finish the race. And I have kept the faith. Someone say keep the faith. We have 168 hours. And uh, I say this every week. My, my father-in-law, I was about to ask for Emmy's hand in marriage. I was all shaky and nervous because he's like six foot four and has a voice like this. I know he could beat me up. 
I respect him, okay? And I was like, hey, Don, I would, you know, love to marry Emmy. I love her. He's like, I got some questions for you, all right? And he asked this one brilliant question. He said, hey, at the end of your life, what do you want written on your gravestone? And I said something gushy, to love Emmy with my whole heart, you know? This is Paul talking at the end of his journey, and this is what he's writing to his disciple Timothy. This is what he says is the culminating point of who we are, that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And if I could change my answer, Don, it would be this. That's what I wanted to say. The details, I think I said, I think I said something like, to be an, a, a, a generational leader or, or to be a pastor, more than the what, I just want this said about my life. It's not about the what I'm doing, it's about this. Because I'll be honest with you, I can be a carpenter and do this. I can be a dad and do this. I can be a best friend and do this. I have fought the good fight. Look at this translation. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my full course. God has a full course for you. And I've kept my heart full of faith. I have kept my faith. We say this every week. Not a pastor has kept your faith. Not a church group. Not a, not a family member. No, no, no. Your faith is your faith. And when we exercise our faith, when we build our faith, when we strengthen our faith, today we're talking about friendship and community. When we come together full of faith, oh, it is magnified. And it is powerful. And so I've kept my faith. I have kept my faith. Not a pastor, not my parents, not a church group. My faith is my responsibility. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? This is Paul talking again. But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. You want to know how you receive the prize? 168 hours. There's a beautiful life that God has for you. There's an incredible journey that he wants to walk with you through. There are things that he wants to do in and through you that you could never, ever imagine. Run that you may obtain that. Our race with him never stops. This journey, these 168 hours, I can't take a break. Our race with him never stops. I wanted to share this verse with you. And uh, this is, this is I, I was reading it this week, and, and I was really challenged by this. It starts out with this, dear Friends, if you're taking notes, you can get some clipboards. You know, you can take notes on the front chair. Take some notes. This is in 1 Peter. So this is Peter talking. Dear friends. Someone say, dear friends. Dear friends. friends. Look, he's acknowledging his community. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. We're going to be talking about this in a few moments, okay? To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live. Someone say, live. Live such good lives among the pagans, among unbelievers, among people who do not know Jesus yet. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they persecute you, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God the day he visits. Can I give you, can I give you Nick Miller's bottom line for today? And it's based solely off of this scripture here. Dear friends, the world is witnessing Jesus as the world witnesses us. Dear friends, the world sees him when they look at you and me. The world sees him when they look at you and me. It's a pretty heavy call, huh? My, my friendship, I always talk about my best friend, Judd. He is my best friend. Judd, I pray that when people would look at how him and I interact and how we love one another and how we share in this life and how we do church and and how we lead and and care for people, I pray that they would see Jesus. That's it. Dear friends, the world is witnessing him 
as they witness you. Pretty heavy call. Pretty heavy call. And it's a big thing, and it's really important for us to understand today that people outside, the word uses the word pagans, those who are unbelievers are looking at you, and the way that you live could inspire them to glorify God and give their lives to him. That's a heavy burden for me, folks. That means that I got to take my dear friends, my circle, I got to take it serious. I got to take it serious. So I, uh, if you know me, uh, I was a youth pastor before a wonderful church, and uh, I loved being a youth pastor. In other words, I got paid to pie kids in the face, kick them, play rap music. It was awesome. Like, it's everything, okay? I love being a youth pastor. You get to preach the word. They're raw. They're telling you about crazy stuff. You're like, oh, my gosh, youth is crazy, all right? I love it. I love it. It's so real. And so I was a youth pastor uh, for, oh, my gosh, five years. Beautiful time of my life. And I remember, uh, well, it's been many times, but there was this one instance where somehow after a Sunday service, there was upwards of like 25 kids that wanted to go to the mall. As a mature, mature adult, caring for 25 people who think they're adults but are still kids, all right? Yeah, Jared. I, you know what, this was one of the most stressful days of my life. We went to the Monroeville Mall, which, I mean, you already know how that goes. Monroeville Mall gets a little crazy, okay, everyone's wild, all right? And so we go to the Monroeville Mall. We probably have four or five leaders. We get them in our cars. They're listening to rap music. They're getting hyped. They go to the mall. Some of them want pretzels. Other them want Chinese food. They all want to go to Forever 21. They want to just smell some candles. I don't know. It's just a whole, it's a whole journey with them. And here's the one thing that I said, and and this was really important. Oh, another detail, we all went to Quiznos. Quiznos was amazing, okay? Uh, My heart broke when it left Monroeville. Okay, anyways, uh, so here's the thing. I told them, I told them here, uh, listen, guys, I know we want to have fun. I know it's about being crazy. You're in school all the hours of your life. You're at home doing your homework, and finally you get to Sunday, and you just want to, like, you know, take the reins off and just run, okay? I get it. I get it. There is no, and, and now that I'm, like, a dad of two, <laughs> it, my whole life has changed. There is nothing crazier than a group of young students going crazy. I, I am such a dad mode now, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, these kids. Like, I'm like, it, it has changed. There is nothing crazier than witnessing 20 high schoolers just take off and go for it. Crazy. Here's the one thing I said to them, though, and it changed the tone of how we did youth ministry when we went out. I didn't want to stop their excitement. I never want to stop students from being, I never want to stop anyone from being excited. I didn't want to stop their joy. I didn't want to stop their passion. I did want them to acknowledge this, that everyone was watching these 20 students. When you have a group of 20 kids screaming in Forever 21, I found this dress, and then you have everyone running across the, they're all watching you. We would go out to eat, and one thing that was really nervous on my mind is, I mean, students don't have all the money in the world, right? The one thing that was on my mind uh, when I said, when I was talking to students, I would say, before you come and before, before you come out to eat, I want you to make sure that you have money enough to tip your waiter. Because we're not going to go live like crazy people and not love and not respect and not honor and not live the life that God has called us to live. Live a life worthy of your calling, right? And so I gave them that encouragement. 
And so we would sit in Eaton Park. I remember they had to pull like nine tables together. It was a whole ordeal, okay? Pulling nine tables together, and we were loud and fun and joyous. We would play this game, and, and all of everyone was like laughing and giggling. And I cannot tell you that just by the amount of joy, respect, honor, love, how many people would actually leave their booth and come up to these students and ask why we are like this? These 14, 15-year-olds who are not fully mature yet, <laughs> love them, but they were evangelizing. They were showing the world, Jesus, hey, we can have fun, we can love, we can cherish, we can respect, we can honor, we can have a, a joyful time. We can be excited and, and, and zestful, yes, zestful about life. Do you want that too? And so we had grown adults 50s, 60s, coming up saying, what is this group here? Why are y'all like this? And I believe that we live that way, and it's not to any credit of me, but it's because we were aware of the fact that everyone was watching. Everyone is watching. And so, I got to ask this question for all of us, and this transition has been so interesting going from a youth pastor to, to a lead pastor of a church with mature adults, and, and it's, it's been very interesting, and I'm learning a lot from you guys, and it's wonderful to be a part of your family and, and to lead in this capacity. i got a question for all of us. Is our circle aware of the message that we're sharing? Because when we get together, we're communicating something. We have this beautiful thing called Instagram. Let me ask you, if people were to look at your circle, what would they see? Let me even take it further. We have these Facebook things, and we make a post, and does someone see the comment of you being kind of a jerk, or do they see you being a, a, a person who encourages and lifts up? Like, they, people are watching always. People are watching always. When you go out to eat, it's the same. It doesn't change for, for 14, 15-year-olds to 30-year-olds. It's the same thing. Are they witnessing Jesus as you sit at your table? Are they witnessing Jesus as you stop into a, a, a business? Whatever it is. Whatever it is, what message are we sharing as a group? And uh, I want to take a look at the Word of God today. Um, we're going to go to Acts chapter 3, and uh, this is one of my favorite stories, but I feel like I had a different twist on it this week. I feel like I was, I was inspired by uh, the Word in a different way. And I, first of all, I love how the Word speaks to us. Like, man, we can read it a million times over and still not discover the full mystery of who He is. He's incredible. I want to tell you a story of the fact that we get to witness two friends showing Jesus to the world. Friends. Every word that was written in the Bible is incredibly intentional to display God to us, to teach us, to grow us, to mature us, to reveal his glory to us. And we get to witness a story of two friends. Someone say two friends. We get to witness a story of two friends sharing Jesus with everyone around them. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up. Um, we're in Acts chapter 3. Get your phones out, whatever it is, so that way you can follow along. I am reading in the NIV version. I'm really excited to share this story with you. One day, someone say one day. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Let me give you some context before we put this up here. So, Jesus came down to earth. He saw the brokenness of humanity. 
And instead of being a God who didn't want anything to do with a disgusting creation, he said, I'm going to come and fix the problem. I'm going to take sin on my shoulders, bear the burdens, go to the cross so I can set my children free so that whoever would believe in me would find life, life, and more life. And here's the thing that's awesome is that instead of him just doing everything, look at Jesus, he gets a circle of friends around him. They're called disciples. Someone say disciples. And so he gathers these disciples, Peter, John, a couple of friends, 12 people in all, and they start going and spreading the message of the gospel. They start preaching about this Jesus who came to redeem mankind. And so Jesus, he died, he rose again, he was on earth for 40 days after sharing the news and showing people the scars, the, the nail that was through his arm and his hand. Like, he was there, and then all of a sudden he ascended up in the heaven, and the Spirit of God fell on the believers. And so, though Jesus was not physically present, now Jesus is in them. And so Peter and John, guys who have been there since the very beginning, they were leading their life. And let me, let me say this. When they, were, when they were going and preaching and sharing the word and they, had, um, they were walking together and doing their, their life together, leading the ministry that Jesus had entrusted to them, they had formed routines. Routines. Ways of operating. Ways of living with one another. And at this very moment, one day, they were just doing their normal thing. They were going to the temple to pray, to evangelize, to speak about Jesus. They were going through their normal routine. And I feel like I, I want to communicate with you guys today that I have a routine when I'm with my friends. Can I even challenge myself? Some of the routines are not so edifying. Some of the routines are not so positive. Some of the routines are not so faith-filled. And so they were going through their routine. They had a routine, a way of behaving in their inner circle. They have concluded, Peter and John, that we go to the temple every day at this hour. And in the midst of their routine, they would see this man that we're about to talk about day after day after day. So they had a routine. Do you have a routine with your circle? Do you have a way of operating with your friends? Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple, this is in verse 2, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day, every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When Peter saw him, when Peter saw him, <laughs> and John to enter, he asked, or when, Peter, when he saw Peter, excuse me, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, at, straight at him as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. This is the moment with that youth group, with those students, with our circle, where we realize, whoa, Jesus wants to do something here that we weren't aware of. They were operating in faith. They were about their routine. And all of a sudden, the circle realized that there was an agenda for the day, but that was about to change. And can I challenge us that whenever I hang out with my friends, when I'm in my circle, when I'm with my group, we have, a, we have kind of like a closed vision sometimes. Like, oh, I'm just with my friends and we're right here. And we're not aware of what God might want to do outside of us. And so finally they said, look at us. They woke up. Whoa. Let's pause here. I'm out to eat. All of a sudden this man walks in. He's hurting. He needs something. We need to go and do something. We're walking around. We could be on vacation at the beach, wherever it is, and God might want to disrupt the routine. He might want to disrupt the normal operation of our circle. And he does it. The agenda was about to change. So the man, 
So the man uh, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. i got to ask you, and I, and I would ask this of me, because again, sometimes in my friends group, in my circle, I get a little bit unintentional. Is faith at the center of our friendships? Because I, I, I love having my group, and like I said, I, if, if I were to be honest with you, sometimes I can get casual with my group, kind of relax with my group, not be on with my group, check out. Can I tell you, it is hard to be in pastor mode every second of my life. Sometimes I love to just kick the shoes off and chill out. Because it's centered on faith. Guys, I understand there's breaks in our life. I understand there's moments. But if we want to run this race, 168 hours in our friend circle, when we're hanging out with our community, with our group, man, it's got to be centered on faith. Peter and John were committed to walking in faith at this gate. They said, we have an agenda. We have a plan. We operate normally like this. There's this man that we see every day. And now our perspective has to change. I'm ready. And they were both intentionally there. And I, I can't imagine the, the feeling of or, or the challenge or maybe the intimidation that it might feel when you go and pick up a man who hasn't been walking forever to go and pick him up. Can you imagine how scary that is? Do you know why God would place two men together there? So that it's not just Peter who's like, oh, my gosh, can I do it? That way they can look at each other and say, we can do this. There's faith here. We can do it. And they can spur each other on. God wasn't unintentional about putting two men there, two people. Peter and John were committed to walking in faith, and they saw God move at this gate. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising. Hold on. We can end the story there. It's beautiful. This man started to walk. We can celebrate. I gotta, maybe, maybe the miracle isn't just for the person. Maybe it's not just for us to edify our faith. When all the people saw, maybe God wants to use your circle so that all the people can see. Maybe God wants to use your circle so that all people can see. I am so imperfect by it. Or at it, but after reading this, I want my circle to walk with faith so that all can see. Amen. Anyone with me? Yeah. Hmm. When all the people saw him walking, praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Look at the guy who wrote that first scripture that we said. What was his name? Peter. Peter was saying, dear friends, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've been, been given, that you would walk in a way that those who are among you that are unbelievers would find God and glorify him. Look at what he experienced firsthand. That's why he said this. Dear friends, dear friends, they were filled with awe and wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And, and, uh, 
Everyone, I, I, I want you to write this down. Everyone witnessed these friends interact with this man. And they saw the glory of Christ. They saw Jesus. They weren't amazed like, oh, like, like they were like, oh, bro, you're walking again. But what did they do? Instead of the, oh, bro, you're walking again, they said, God is incredible. That's what they said. And that's the power of our circles. That's the power of faith-filled people coming together and walking an intentional walk together. The world, the world was watching the early church community. And I got a challenge for us. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. Church, faith-filled believers, they are watching how we live, how we act, how we praise, how we stand strong. Everything that we face, they are watching it daily. They're watching things that you post. They watch the way that you talk with one another. And when you go to the mall with 20 of your youth students, they're watching. They're watching. It hasn't changed. And I feel like for a very long time, church can be very casual and we can walk into our friend groups and kind of check out. No, no, no. This is our greatest opportunity. When we're hanging out together, this is our greatest opportunity to show the world who Jesus is. This is our greatest opportunity. And let me even challenge you further. The world wants to know who he is. And how are they going to see without witnessing you? And so I got a challenge for our church. I, I want to speak to our church right now. This church is not a church of rows, but of circles. Let me give you some context and let me give some clarity on what I'm saying. For church, forever and ever, people have come, walked in, sat in a row, and booked it and never talked about it ever again. That they would come in, uh, and, and this is, I'm not trying to call y'all out, but like everyone separates their chairs by one chair. And right now, yes, I understand social distancing. I get it. Uh, but we all separate. We don't like, like to talk with one another. We come to church and then we go home and do our thing. That's not church. This is a community. When Emmy gets up here every week, do you know that she calls you family? That's not some fake pastor stuff. It's really not. We view you guys like our family. We do life with you. Y'all are our circle. This is not a, a place of rose where you can just come in, book it, go and live your own life. We are a community. We are a circle. We are a family. And when we operate like that, core is not going to be great. Jesus is going to be seen. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with like church being where it's at. I'm cool with it having like, you know, a hundred or so. I'm, I'm not really concerned about numbers here. I just want people to see Jesus. And I believe that when a church operates like this, when they realize, hey, our circle, our friends, we got to be intentional about living out this faith walk. Yes, I'm imperfect at it, but we can walk this faith walk out. When they start seeing circles of people, community of people living and walking like that, they are going to have to turn to Jesus. They have to. They have to. And so I got a big challenge for us today, and I am challenging Western church culture, which Western church culture is all about me, 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 me. I want to do my life. I want to have my thing, go home, do my thing. No, I want to challenge you guys to find a circle and commit to doing life together sacrificially. I am, I am done. I am done with, like, I'm here for me. I'm having my own thing. No, 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 no. We are here. We're a family. We're circled together. We are th through it, in, through it all. Whatever the circumstance is, we are with you. We are family. We cannot do this alone. 
We cannot do this alone. Emmy and I, we don't want to build this community alone. It's not based off of the skill and talents of, of, a, of a pastor, of a cool worship leader. That's not what this is. This church is going to grow based off of the health of the circles that are in it. That's what we want. And wait, let me pause there for a second, because we have what are called core circles. And can I be a pastor for two seconds? Why are we not going to them? It's a Tuesday night right now. Hopefully we get other nights. It's a Tuesday night from 7 to 8.30. I get it if you have work. I get it if you've got kids. That's great. If we want to walk this out, walk with faith, we have to connect as a family. Nick Miller is not saying come to core circles so that we have awesome numbers. Yeah, we get to brag about our awesome church. That's not it. We want to do these circles so that you can grow and so that people can find Jesus. It's not a selfish motive for core church. Please get to circles. Talk with Judd. Get to circles. Can I tell you something? I'm not supposed to tell this until 2021, but Judd can yell at me later. Um, our, our, main, our main goal for 2021 is to see 80% attendance in core circles. So if there are 100 people here, that we would see 80 people attend our core circle nights. Why? Because we're obsessed with God's word, because we're obsessed with our friends and our family, because we are obsessed with living out this journey together. Get to circles. I'm done. Find a circle. We're not meant to do this alone. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. In other words, good things happen when they walk together. There's great things that follow those who are in fellowship with one another. Such a christian term, but it's real. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Imagine Peter's like, I don't know if we can do this. And John's like, Jesus said that we could do this. And then Peter's like, all right, we can do it. And John's like, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. Like, imagine that conversation. But they lifted each other up. But woe to him is alone. When he falls, there's no one else to lift them up. There are a lot of people who complain about churches saying, oh, I don't feel connected. Or, you know, I was bummed that I left. And, or I was bummed. I was hurt by this. You have a circle? You have people lifting you up? Are you invested in, in community? Or are you disconnected? You might be experiencing that because you haven't found a circle. It's the most inviting place. We love everyone here. Come as you are. Whatever your belief systems, whatever you're experiencing, however old or young you are, I don't care. Let's just form a circle here. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. This is that moment where we're talking about with you students. Guys, be considerate, be honorable, be respectful. And they kept each other accountable. It was amazing. There was this girl, Izzy. She's like, what? Are you being nice? She's awesome. Consider how to spur one another. Not giving up meeting. Come on, preach. Not giving up meeting. Guys, I can't reinforce the, the fact that we have to be with one another. Please don't just leave. Go home and do your life. Be a part of this community. Okay? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is a circle of encouragement. Don't do this alone. It will spur you on. It will grow your faith. You can't, you can't do this journey alone. I can't. I can't. We need our circles. Let me say something else about our circles. Please do not allow the enemy into our circles. Because if he wants to stop the spread of Jesus, what does he have to do? Just tear the circles apart. Let's have churches hate one another. Let's stir some discord in this church. Let's split them up. Let's allow drama to just sit in over stupid little stuff. He said, she said, me, me, me. 
And we're allowing the enemy to just split circles up? Really? Don't give the enemy a foothold. Our circles are meant to be strong. Same with our families. Like we were talking about that last week. Don't let the enemy split up your circle because your circle could be the greatest thing that would reveal his glory to the world. And if he knows that he can split up your circle, he knows that you will not be able to spread as strong his glory across the earth. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why why is Paul writing this? Because he knows we're going to be under attack by the enemy, and he knows the enemy wants to ruin our circles. He knows, oh, this is like huge. He knows he wants to make you tired so that you don't come to a Tuesday night and be a part of the circle. He knows that he wants to get you frustrated or he wants to turn you a little sour based off of someone's Instagram post so that you don't talk to them anymore. He knows, he knows he wants to do that. Please bear with one another in love and make every effort to keep unity. Come on. Can we do that? I'm not perfect at it, church, but can we do that? I don't want to allow the enemy in here, and I don't want to allow the enemy in our circles because they will reveal who Jesus is. Last thing I'll say about our circles. Our circle is going to grow in every way, inward and outward. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. A plant that is full of life just grows. Can I give you evidence of this? This is my favorite scripture. Well, there's a lot of them that are my favorite. But this is one of my favorite scriptures. Acts chapter 2 puts it like this. Every day. Someone say every day. Every day. Not just a Sunday. Every day. Every day. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. In the midst of a pandemic, do you know why we got this building? So that we can meet. In the midst of all that is happening crazy in the world, we wanted to do this so that we could be together. I don't care about cool walls. I don't care about the design. It's about who's in it and how we're meeting. Meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I got a big challenge for each and every one of us. People outside of the circle should be asking what is happening inside of the circle. What is happening, the supernatural joy, the favor, the blessing that is happening in your circle, the connection, the the true love, the patience, the kindness, the generosity that is naturally seen on Instagram, at the dinner table, wherever it is that you step your foot, at the gym, whatever it be, it doesn't matter. People should be seeing your circle and saying, something crazy is happening there. Have you had that question in a little while? Has someone outside said, hey, I like that. Again, I'm not perfect at it. I'm just challenging all of us. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Also, can we be open to adding more people to our circles, huh? We're allowed to have more friends and more and more and more and more friends. It's all right. I also know that small churches like to form tight-knit communities. In order for us to grow, we have to be open to new people coming too. People outside of the circle should be able to walk in and be like, wow, I'm just in this river and I'm riding with it. I love it. People are at it daily. 
Second thing that I want to see in the circle, and I am blown away because I am so proud. I feel like our church is living this out. As for matters, brothers and sisters, we are instructed to show you how to live in order to please God as you are in fact living. I've seen so much growth. I have seen so many people take steps of faith. I have seen hearts changed. I've seen maturity happen. Can I brag on my friend Chris over here who I know can beat me up? He's six foot four muscles, all right? What he preached last Sunday morning was one of the best things that I've heard all year. He's not a pastor yet. He's not a pastor. But he's preaching the word and he's growing. Had all of the room in tears. Instructing you how to live, brother. Way to do it. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more more and more. We're going to grow. We're going to do more and more things. Hey, that time where you're praying out loud for your friends, we're laying hand, it's going to go more and more. We are a, a church, I believe, that is going to challenge you more and more to do more and more, to grow more and more. It's actually not about the what you do. It's about the personal stuff. Growing and growing and growing. We are about God doing more and more in your life. Does anyone want that? For you know what instruction we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Listen to this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that day after day you should look more and more like Jesus. One of the measurables, and this is like really hard, like I'm thinking about how to do church and how to grow church. One of our measurables is hard to quantify, but are people growing inside? There's a lot of ways to do church, like to get people in, people growing inside and so here's here's the last challenge for all of us the circle is going to look more and more like him who's to say that our circle when we walk around the mall or we go out to dinner we go to the gym wherever it is that we operate when we're sitting in a room can't operate like jesus one of the challenges i had um i've been given a lot of external stuff but Um, one of the challenges and one of the things I was praying for over our circles in regards to this message is if someone is hurting inside in our circles, like going through depression or anxiety or there's burden and, and worry, we can sometimes get in our circle and pretend it's all okay and just watch the football game. Faith inward as well and praying over people and making the center of our attention Jesus and growing inwardly as well. Because like I said, there's a lot of times where it's very easy to go and hang out with my friends and kick the shoes off and relax and not engage in anything like Jesus-y when that's where it starts to happen and then it spreads. Dear friends, the world is witnessing Jesus as the world witnesses us. Y'all are family to Emily and I. It is, like, it seriously is an honor to do this every week with you guys. I love Tuesdays. I can't wait for Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. I didn't tell Judd about this, but I'm ready to do a 24-hour worship day. I can't wait. Judd, we have a lot of organizing to do. Can't wait. I can't wait. Daily, every day, 
family. Y'all with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you. That this is not a random group.